Okay, people, it is part two of this week's Echo Chamber. You know what I mean? Now, Rick, he's bringing Skrillex to the mix, and we be bringing you woo, a review and an interview. That's how we do, baby. And uh, yeah, it's a very good interview, man. Uh, it's interesting. It's interesting. And I think, yo, first time directors, writers, all that jam. I think you're going to get a little sign sign out of this one. All right. So, you ready? You ready? Shall we get into this? All right. Buckle up. Let's go. Okay, people, let's start things off with our first piece of the puzzle. It is Beyond Existence. Okay, people, so I, I, I checked out a new film, right? I wasn't quite sure if I'd already watched this, but I think it, it you know, I mean, there was a, a potential situation a year or so ago but uh, yeah i don't think it i don't think it happened <laughs> well not not with steven anyway right i maybe i talked to Shuban. i don't know but yeah i checked out beyond existence which is this new indie sci-fi film and um yeah i i well I, let me get to that right so it is directed by Schumann Hoke um, and co-written by Stephen Farah and Christopher Butler. So um, Farah produced it with, um, I think it's his wife, Claire Farah, right? Uh, it was executive produced by um, Schumann and co-produced with Erica Falezetti. The music is from Edward Farmer. Cinematography is Tim Knight. It was edited by Hoke, um, Reese Hall, and Russen Stainton. Casting was um, Claire Farrah. Uh, production design is Nia Fawcett. Uh, art direction is Edwina Smith. Costume design was Cristiano Casamino, and the uh, the makeup is Emma Gandolfo. Uh, production management was Geraldine Cabanero. Um, yeah, and our cast. Well, we have got the professor, played by Gary McKay. Uh, Ellen is played by Amelia Clay, and The Guardian is Vincent Vermin, Vermin Noon. Um, there's also um, Farrah plays, Stephen Farrah plays the barman. Um, the Waitress is played by Pauline Turner. Uh, scrap, scrapyard owner is John McKenna. And the security guard is Banshad Abdidi Amin. All right. And so the gist of the story is this. Ellen, a government agent, follows orders to seek and destroy a professor 
who's been trading government information to foreign territories. However, in a twist of fate, the professor's life is spared and the unlikely couple find themselves on a road trip through barren landscapes of England. So, uh, yeah, there it is. And, yeah, so with this one, I, I, I did that thing, which I try not to do, right? And that was I when I watched it the first time, I was just kind of distracted. There's so much happening and I'm trying to juggle and I, I just thought, oh, like, let me, I can do this and this at the same time, right? And yeah, I, and I'm listening to it and, you know, just trying to watch it. Uh, and I'm kind of thinking, like, it wasn't coalescing with me, you know? But there's things I was hearing and be like, oh, that's interesting. That's really interesting. That's interesting, man. So I was just like, yeah, what am I doing? So I watched it again. And man, I'm glad I did. Because yet yeah, there's more to the film than you know what I mean you're gonna get if you're not really concentrating. Right? Because it, it we like to say it's a mully mully, a molder and scully situation isn't quite right but we do have you know Ellen being this government operative and she is a bit like oh no this is how the world is you know what I mean like I, I had no knowledge of this stuff so no th this is my orders this is what I'm doing she's very straight laced in that respect and the professor well I mean there's a lot we learn about the professor but it comes off at first that he's just this bitter drunk. But then we learn there's more to that, right? And yeah, I don't think if you're not concentrating, you're not going to pick up on those nuances, you know? Like, it's a sci-fi film and we open up, right? We open up looking at like the sea, the ocean, just this big expanse of water, right? There's uh, looks like there's oil platforms and stuff like there but it's pretty open. And then suddenly, right, we have this kind of thing kind of like coming out, like this framework coming out of the water and then like just appearing out of nowhere is this big kind of pyramid kind of structure, right? And that's where we, we see the guardian just kind of appears and it's like this transport device. And I think that's one of the big sci-fi things, right? Like some of the other things, like we have the um, Henkai and the Sensi, the Senai, right? The Henkai and the Senai, right? These two devices. But other than those things, now there's some, like there's these effects and things like that, but they're the core kind of sci-fi elements. There's... Essentially, this is a road movie, right? It is like a road movie, a kind of a buddy cop thing. Not, not quite, but, you know, uh, kind of, right? And so the film, it doesn't necessarily sit on the sci-fi, 
right? That's not the, the selling point as such. The selling point really is this connection between Ellen and the professor, right? It was, as I said, look, she's, she's sent to kill him, but then she doesn't, right? So why didn't she kill him, right? What's the reason here? And so this is what we, we learn, right, throughout. And we get these introspective conversations, right, looking at what does it mean to be human? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what does that mean? You know, what, do, what does life mean? Right? What, what's love? What's caring? What's and that's what this trip is. They're, they're going and they're doing these things. They're stopping off at these places to make certain actions. And throughout, we're getting this, this look and this understanding on relationships and the things that make, make up who we are. Because, you know, the professor is, is learning, right? He, well, he's been learning, should I say. And so that's, I think the, the the real interesting thing here is they're both very different, but as things go on, you get them both kind of coming around to see things from each other's perspectives, having that empathy, which isn't there at the start, but yeah. It, 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 it grows and we can see it growing, right? We can understand how these two different entities can come and meet in this place. And that's what I thought the strongest part of this film is, right? Being this indie flick, right? We got special effects and we got all of this and they're not bad, but this isn't your Avengers, right? This isn't, you know what I mean, uh, a Hollywood flick. So, you know, some things don't necessarily jump out at you, right? But the story is more than those elements, right? You know, being a, a, a driving film, there's not necessarily a whole lot of different landscapes and things to look at. Now, we do see them driving through these, these different places. So we get like certain vistas and things like that, that, which is nice. But yeah, this is more about their connection and seeing how that comes about. And then it's just like, what are you prepared to do? You know, there is this interesting little twist in there about, um, you know, playing on that alien trope, right? That was interesting. That was a nice little touch. You know, there's certain things that are a bit like, like the name of the alien race, you know what I mean? And being like, ah, I mean, we could have come up with something else. But that doesn't matter, 
right? Like, that's just a thing. You know what I mean? It's just like, eh, whatever. Right? But yeah, the, the, the strength of the film is this look, right? It, it's the magnifying glass in which they have utilized, right, to analyze human nature. You know? And we really get that at the end. Like the end. Yeah, the end then is like it's it's just like yo, okay, that's what you have, that's what you did, that's where you went. Okay, all right, huh? This is compelling, right? So um yeah, beyond existence, it's it's more than you think it's going to be. It is it goes beyond your initial assumption you know what i mean so hey I, I i think it's uh it definitely shows promise right so it, it's gonna be what can these guys do with a budget you know what i mean that that's the thing which i'm now very interested to see so it's currently on the festival circuit and i believe it's going to be hitting Miami on the 19th, right? 19th of March, Miami. So people, if you're there, go check it, right? Go check it, because I think you're going to be surprised, all right? So yeah, if you like your indie sci-fi, hey, Beyond Existence may very well be for you. Okay, people, so now it's time for our conversation with co-writer of the joint. It is Stephen Farrah, people, and um, yeah, he was, was great. He was great. So you want to you listen to this, people. So um, yeah, chill and let's go. Okay, people, so I am joined by Stephen Farrah, the writer and producer of Beyond Existence. Stephen, oh. thank you for joining me. I appreciate it, man. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Kevin. Ah, no worries. No worries, man. So, um, yeah, your film is currently doing the festival circuit. How's all of that feeling? Yeah, pretty good. Like, it's exciting. We just finished Boston Sci-Fi Film Festival, and we're about to uh, screen at Miami International Sci-Fi Film Festival. So, yeah, it's uh, exciting. It seems to be getting received quite well. So, yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah, Boston's a great little festival. Those people are good people, right? So, yeah, yeah it must have been a good time with that. And... Like, how is it now? Because are you going to the festivals? Because, you know, it was a bit tough on all of these filmmakers the last few years, just having to do everything virtually. But are you able to start getting out there? Unfortunately for this next one, Miami, I'm not able to go. But our director, Schumann Hock, is going over there. So he's flying out to Miami next week um, to the festival. Um, but, yeah, the pandemic definitely... Did slow things down massively you know uh, boston our screening was a virtual one it wasn't an in-person one where miami is in person so yeah okay man so 
how did this whole thing get going right what like yeah did, you know when did you write the thing did you come up with the concept or is it for a conversation like how did uh you know beyond existence come to life well so it's it's quite a, a weird one it's a bit of a i mean a long one where we were trying to do a bigger budget feature film i'm mean, schumann hawk and claire farrah and myself claire's the other producer on it and we'd been trying to push a bigger feature film for a while but this was quite a few years back and all the investors we'd been going to had been saying oh you know you guys don't have the experience behind you to do a budget a film of this budget yet so um schumann and myself sat down and we decided well let's make a, a low budget film and let's uh, let's make it like a road trip film and then i went off and wrote it and originally it was going to be set in America and the budget was going to be pretty low and we managed to raise some of the money but couldn't close it all so we thought well actually one we shoot it in Spain a bit like a spaghetti western where it can look like America um, and it would mean our budget could be less and we did that and we raised some money again and again we couldn't close all the funds and then we just thought you know let's do it in the UK and we'll put the a little bit of money in ourselves and try pulling all the favors we could so that's kind of like the journey of how the film came into being and you know that why we ended up making it but i think the big thing for me also is it's always having a really strong compelling story like it's got to be a, a strong story that drives it that people are interested in so it sits in the kind of art house realm but also in the commercial realm where if you're into sci-fi you should love the film so yeah mm, mm. and does the location did it really affect the story or or was it more of a just uh you know a mental situation where you know you'd envisioned it being one place and then you had to change it but technically it could be in any country what yeah i guess technically it could be anywhere i guess the the locations it was the dialogue was quite american so a lot of like right. americanisms and the way people spoke and it gave more scale to like and the landscape when we were describing it in the script and you know how that changed mm -hmm. and then it, then it was like well we've, it's in britain so we make sure everybody kind of speaks in a similar way like our professor in it's scottish and um, the the main uh our main star, Ellen, she's she's also English. So everybody's kind of got those kind of accents. But I think the, the story is universal. So it doesn't necessarily feel like, okay, this is the UK. It's probably some of the the shots surrounded where we were where they're in their car and they're driving and you see some like British landscapes or it's looking quite cloudy and things like that. It didn't feel like desert, obviously. Yeah. But like as far as the story goes, I mean it it's a very similar story it was more so i think our worry was if they're going to be in a car all day and they're driving then you know you can essentially drive from one end of the uk to the other end of the uk so what's their journey like where they're going so we thought well actually they're going to key places so that's why their journey is taking a long time and mm. they're stopping in places so the time in the car is not it's obviously like the majority of the day but at the same time they're stopping in places and i don't think if people are stopping to go 
this journey is taking too long and they're in England or whatever, then obviously then they're not getting carried away in the story. And I think we failed as filmmakers. If they're getting carried into the story, I don't think there's anything to go like this is England or wherever. It, there's no real reference where we go like, okay, we're, we're going to this area of England. But um, if you know some of the places and you're a filmmaker, there's certain locations that you'd be like, oh, I recognize that that's bent waters where a lot of people do some filming. So I think that's the only giveaway really. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And was it disheartening when you couldn't get the bigger budget film going? Because like, what was the thing that kind of kept you moving and being like, look, we can't do that yet, but we could do this. Yeah, it was quite, I think it was quite disheartening along the way where, we'd managed to raise some money and then you when you raise some money you're like okay that's it it's happening but then it's like trying to close the remaining money and then when that doesn't happen and you get to a point where you go well actually this is not this is not happening um but i think the way the team works is we're very much like well we we got to make something, you know, we need to make a feature film. We've been speaking about making a feature film, our bigger feature film we couldn't make. We got to make this. And then it got to that point where we were like, well, what can we do to make sure that it happens? And then we were like, well, we'll pull in all our favors. So it was just, there were definitely disheartening things along the way, but I think the, the ambition and the drive kept us going the whole time, you know, and now obviously completing it, there's a big payoff to having all of that and going, oh, you know, it was really worthwhile. But the whole experience, like throughout making it, there are ups and downs where you're going, well, we've only got 12 days to shoot this film. And that's quite disheartening where you go, if one day messes up, you're not going to have mm. a movie anymore. And then when it went into post-production, it was the same where we go, we had a, a really good animator on board, but then because it was like almost no pay and they got a much bigger job, they couldn't work on it anymore. And then we're yeah. going, well, we've got 400 VFX shots in this. How are we going to do this film? How we've shot it, we, how are we going to finish it? So there were constant steps along the way. We were like, okay, this is disheartening. But I think, you know, we, we drove through it and kept ourselves going. So. Yeah, so what were some of the things that, you utilize to overcome these hurdles because obviously you did you you know what i mean you did what you set out to do but yeah as um you know approaching this thing like how did you think fuck how do we get over the animation and how do we you know maintain this story within just the this short period of time to shoot i think like some of the things, I mean, besides from more vague of like, oh, we were obviously driven and we wanted to do it, we pulled on our experience. So like the three of us, Claire Schumann and myself, we all kind of come from um, the branded content advertising commercial world. So we we know a lot about production and how to make like films. And we're used to making like five, ten minutes, sometimes other types of content so we're used to making it so that we really fell back on those things and going like well how do we approach it how do we approach shooting for the specific day or for these 12 days how do we approach it so that we know we can shoot all of this content and then it's kind of pulling in all the right people to go like oh well, if we know we've got our an amazing dop who is tim knight and we go tim's on board I know when I've worked with Tim 
and Schumann's work with Tim. Tim doesn't take a lot of time setting up, but he'll make sure it looks beautiful. And again, then we looked at the actors and the actors were like, I know these actors are like shit hot. So if we put them in there, we don't have to rehearse as much and they'll probably get it in one or two takes, which they did. So it was those kind of things. Animation was a whole different thing where we wouldn't have shot the film if we didn't have an animator in place because there was mm. so much graphics and it was so ambitious. So when they fell, when they had, then they fell away at, uh, once we'd finished shooting, it was really disheartening. But we kind of got to a point where we'd looked at it and broken it down. We'd like Schumann had gone, well, some of the car stuff that's green screen, I'll, I'll learn to do that. So I'll put in those comp those uh, moving backgrounds in so he learned some of that i was very much like i don't know any of this stuff so i was like well i'll learn how to do some gunshots and things so i learned that and then some of the other ones that are much more complicated we reached out to people and they got excited and then they fell away and then someone else got excited and they fell away and then eventually um I found uh, the VFX supervisor Prakash from India, who's an amazing, really nice guy, and was really excited about the project. And he was very much like, well, we can get on board and help deliver this on the understanding that, you know, our paid work has to take priority over this. Mm. Um, and he was willing to do it at a reduced budget. And yeah, we were really, if it wasn't for Prakash and his team, um, we wouldn't have been able to do the VFX. So those are all like some instances and in how we overcame them. But definitely like a lot of times along the way, we were like, this is never going to happen. What have we done? We wasted our time. But like, yeah, we pulled it off in the end. So, Yeah, yeah. I mean, in a weird way, right, do you think this was a good thing, right, C coming up against all of these hurdles? Because now I imagine the next project it's going to feel like a breeze. You know what I mean? Like, you know how to handle all these situations. You've been able to, you know, overcome. So it's just like, yeah, getting, you know, the next project done, it should be a lot, you know, smoother, right? Yeah. And it'll give you a lot of confidence just within yourself to know I can handle this shit. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's definitely that a lot. I mean, especially from a graphics point of view of going, this is how we're going to handle it. But the whole thing, I think also from an investor, I think the bigger thing with the previous film that we were trying to get off the ground is like, we can now show investors and go, look, this is what we did. And we did this on no money. And, you know, it's very ambitious and we pulled this off. So I'm hoping that'll be easier. But as far as confidence in ourselves, like, yeah, 100%, definitely in myself, it's like, you know, if I can do this kind of project, if you give me money, <laughs> I can, it'll make my life a lot easier. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They say that money don't bring you happiness, but boy, it goes a long way, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think it would make me a lot happier if I was doing, if I had money for this project, I would have been a lot happier and I'm sure I will be for the next one. So, yeah. Mm. Now, does this sort of experience make you kind of rethink the whole financing angle of a film, right? The way you go about it, maybe the people you approach, that kind of thing? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think the, the big thing for me, which I've been told before, like if you've got a, a famous person in your film, it's going to be much easier to sell it and it'll be much easier to get into the festivals. And that is 100% like I can see that because there's no, 
no one that's really famous. Um, Vincent uh, Vemignon, who's in it, he's about to be big, but that, at that point, it, it didn't help us anyway. So I think from a financing point of view, there's definitely that side of it of going, okay, this is this is definitely going to change how we approach it. 100% need someone that can sell the film. But I think the other thing is we're in the process at the moment talking to distributors and we're busy selling it. And it, it's hard to say at this point, look, it's been easy going, but we've had interest already. And I was always told, look, it's going to be very, very difficult to sell your film. Um, but I think we've started getting that interest, which I think was my original feeling was always, if you've got a really strong story, you've got really strong actors, you've got a strong director and you've got a strong film, it's going to be much easier to sell the film. And it looks like we're going to make money off this film. And then to be able to go to an investor and go, we've made money. We had nobody famous in it. We've got famous people now. You know we can do it. Like, it makes sense. And I think from my point of view, is always that thing of going to an investor and going, realistically, the chances of making money in the movie industry are very slim. But when you do, you can make a lot. I do think we've kind of found some kind of recipe where I'd feel confident going to an investor and go, if you put money in, I will make you money, but I'll make your money back and make you more. So making it an attractive, an attractive investment. So definitely change the way I'd approach them. Mm. But I find that interesting though, right? What people have said to you about like, if you have, without a famous pe a person in it, I'm going to struggle to sell this film. I kind of feel that it's more of a case of them just being like, yeah, I'm, we're not that great at our job. Because as you said, I feel, and from doing so many different festivals and that kind of thing, you look at the, the, the films that are playing, you don't know the people in these films. You, you gravitate to a good story. If you, you know, someone's like, yo, this film, this, it's about this. You're just like, what? That sounds insane. I want to see that film. You know what I mean? It, it, there's times when, you know what I mean, you, you have a choice between two films playing at the same time. One might have a few famous people in. The other one sounds like a great story, something different, unique. You yeah. gravitate to that. You don't go to the one with all the famous people in. You know what I mean? I don't always think, like, I know it's something that is said a lot, right? Oh, with famous people, you can get financing. And we've seen in the past, certain films only got going because certain people came on board. But I do believe a great story can get you so, so far. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's just the ability to sell that story. Yeah, so I think I'm on the same page as you, Kevin, where it's like if you've got a really strong story and all the elements around it are strong, it becomes it, 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 it that that's going to sell it and it's going to get people excited. I think the thing I found, which has been tricky, is to get people to watch it that first time to be able to get the because I mean, I was speaking to a really established festival here in the UK and someone that was running that, and they were really excited about the film and all of that, but then the main thing that I think that they pulled away from for the film was um, how are we going to get people into the cinema to watch it? But now as it's gone on at Boston and, you know, we were nominated for awards and won awards, we've got distributors 
going, okay, well, I want to watch this now. Now I've got a reason to watch it. And now then they watch it, they go, oh, actually, it's really good. And we're interested and we want to put down an offer for the film. But it's that initial thing to go, please watch my film. Where if I had, let's say, Ian McKellen in it, and I go, oh, I've got Ian McKellen in it, they might go, mm. okay, well, I'll watch it. And then if the story sucks, it sucks. It's not going to be a good film. And if it's good, it's going to be a good film. I think it's that initial thing. And, yeah, I think the movie lovers like yourself and me, I don't necessarily watch something. And maybe there are one or two actors that I really love that I'll watch a film for. But the rest of it, like, it comes down to the story. And if I've heard good things about it, and I'm like, okay, that's my kind of film. I watch it. I don't really care as much about who's in it. But I think people are approaching it. It is the movie business, and they're approaching it like a business. And they go, yeah. well, you've got a name, tick. And if you've, it's about this, tick. And if it's a horror film with zombies, tick, then we're going to sell it easier. And I think that's the, the approach everyone's taking. And I can kind of see why they do. I don't necessarily agree all the time. Though, so. Yeah. So what do you do? right, to bridge that gap, right? Because, look, I, I'm sure you've seen dreadful trailers, right, that give you away so much of the story. And it's just like, what do we do? Or sometimes they even make you think the film is a different genre or, you know what I mean, just crammed of laughs. And then you watch the film and you're like, that's not the trailer, right? Yeah. So how do you create some a calling card right, that you can give to people and that tells them and entices them to see the film. Like, did you have to change your thinking of a trailer, of promotion to, you know what I mean, bridge the gap of getting people to pay notice of you? I think for us, it was a matter of going, we believe in it. We believe in our story here. We believe in what we've got. We believe we've got a strong trailer and someone will bite. And when somebody starts biting and more people want to bite, and then it's like, okay, people are interested. So we, we, we believed in it. We believed in, well, I got a really good company to do our, our poster that again, are friends of mine. And it's like already the posters, like you'll see it and you go, okay, wow. It doesn't look like a low budget, cheap film that, you know, it kind of separates us from everyone else already. So there were certain elements that we thought, okay, well, if this looks good and our trailer's strong, that should be enough to do it. And again, like I'm not a fan of giving away the, the whole story anyway, but there should be enough to be able to go, okay, I get an essence of what this film's about. For me, I, well, I, my favorite trailers are ones that I go, okay, I want to watch more. Like, I want to watch mm. more of that. And I think a lot of the films that, that are doing well, even the big Hollywood blockbuster ones, I mean, I have a look at, like, the Batman that's doing really good now. they got all this hype, obviously, because it's the Batman. It's got famous people in it. But I'm trying to think. I haven't actually seen a trailer for any of that that gives away the whole story the films that I find that I end up don't liking are the ones that have to rely on, or oh, well, give the whole story away so that nobody's disappointed when they come in and watch the film. Yeah. Films that I think are really strong. A lot of the time they might just outline a little bit of the story and the relationships that you go, okay, I get what it's about. Let me go and watch it. So yeah, I, I don't know. I believe that if it's strong through word of mouth and all of that, it, it'll, it'll shine. Like, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. No, de definitely. And um, how did you create the chemistry 
you know, with the characters and everything like that. Like, were you able to get them to hang out for a period of time before shooting started? Or was it just a case of, all right, these are two professionals. Let's just hope they can make it work. Uh, well, there was rehearsal, a bit of rehearsal. So there was that. I think what we're what we was lucky about with this is, I mean, uh, both actors, Gary and Amelia, are, are amazing actors. So, like, I knew that they would bring that. But that chemistry there, I think Amelia's character is an agent who is quite cut off emotionally, is quite cold and blunt and all of that. And that is, I think, probably an easier thing to capture with somebody that you don't know to play that coldness and all mm. of that, which, you know, she did incredibly well. And Gary also, his character starts off very much like he's drunk, he's aggressive, he's he's not a very pleasant guy. So you're asking people to bring a chemistry that's like and to the film that's like, you don't like this person, you don't get on with them, you kind of hate them being around you, which is not as hard to lean on is to go look you're lovers you've loved each other forever so there's that that kind of chemistry i think that was easier to develop and then also luckily some of the more intimate scenes i mean there's no love relationship but there's definitely a connection um by the time we were probably four days in we were shooting some of those more intimate scenes and they'd already they'd had the rehearsals and then during the filming time they'd developed that relationship but I think the other thing is, is like, I, I know both of them from before and they're really great people and everyone on the crew and the team are really nice, good people. And I like working with, I don't like working with difficult like people, then they're all really nice. So I knew that you put nice people together, everybody's going to get on. So yeah, I think that's, they just naturally got on with each other because they're, they're both really decent, you know, lovely people. So. Mm-hmm. And how do you keep people focused on set, especially when you're having to do long days because, you know, you've only got this period of time in which you're doing it. Is there is there music like, you know, what I mean, like, what do you do? Create little sensory rooms? Like, how do you keep that vibe going? Well, it's a, it's a weird one. But this, we, we were so tight on time that it was like we couldn't really stop. We obviously stopped for lunch. Uh, you know, so people had their lunch, and I think it's like a it's a a, a two way thing really. Where um, Claire, the other producer, she's really great at you know making everything very personal and giving everybody like people had certain meal requests. She always made sure that you know the production manager was getting them specific meals, making sure that if somebody had a problem at any point along the way, they would go to Claire. For some reason, they didn't go to me. Maybe I'm not very approachable you know <laughs> she's very approachable she comes up with all these problem solving i tend to get more panicky i'm like okay we got to keep to a specific deadline so i think the two of us working together you know i was really driving people in a very hard way and she was driving them in a much more kind approachable way and at times each kind of method worked but yeah i definitely think um, the credit goes to Claire on that, keeping everybody positive and on and track because she's just, you know, so lovely and everybody really opens up to her. So they kept positive the whole way through. So. Okay. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Um, now, with this film, right, because it's sci-fi, but 
we don't have a load of crazy gadgets or anything like that. Now, when you're creating it, like, what is that thought process of, okay, what, how far in the future do we want to kind of show? Like, what do we want to show the advancements of technology and, you know, I mean? like, how do you kind of coalesce that in your mind, thinking as well in the fact of, okay, we visually, we're going to confine the film to this sort of thing. Mm. So how do we, within this scope, show that it's sci-fi? Yeah, so I think that's a really good question, but I think there's there's several things. So you've got, like, I'm not a fan of, sometimes I am in sci-fi, I'm much more of a, like, I like sci-fi that is has like uh, you question yourself or the world that you live in rather than going like well we've got aliens in this film but the aliens look like humans so it's mm. i think there's certain people in the world that believe that they're aliens living amongst us I'm, I'm not one of those people but like it kind of goes okay so we don't we already solved one problem our aliens are all going to look like humans they're not going to look any different but i think like for me it's like the bigger scale stuff that you can actually go like well they the professor talks about okay you know we've brought mankind all of their technology from mobile phones to electricity you know us them their race gave them all of this so immediately you go well like everything that we know has been given to us by this alien race so that kind of immediately captures the well like their technology must look very similar to ours or at least they controlling everything around us everything that we see that's man-made has been given to us by these these aliens and then i think for me the bigger ones where we go okay well we need some graphics on this where we go like well if there's going to be a device rather than like a ray gun or something like that or you know like a, a big cannon or something crazy with a big spaceship like let's make it let's make something so powerful that it's it's kind of insane where you go well this guy's put a black hole inside a cube and he's managed to put this and it's harnessed all this energy or he carries his device which he calls a senai which can manipulate all matter around him and make things appear and reappear and change the way things operate and part of his soul exists inside this this object. So many immediately becomes like, oh wow, that's that's kind of a cool object that's never existed before. And you know, of course, it's going to come from an alien race. It's so advanced. And then they, you have the beginning of the film where you've got this pyramid building, and mm. well, why would people travel through a spaceship? Well, maybe it would be more something. I think something a bit like Stargate, where you go, well, let's, what's a cool way for somebody to come here? Let's, they get beamed in from a bit of light and a, a temple forms out of out of nowhere. It just comes into existence and a guy walks out. So I think it, for me, it was going, we don't want things to be too linear and be like, well, if we've got a, if we've got a weapon, let's make it look like a gun. And if we've got a, a way to travel, let's make it look like a spaceship. Let's like move away from that, but let's keep it quite, you know, big. And then I think also, as I was saying, is the sci-fi thing for me is going, good sci-fi kind of questions our existence as human beings and rather than, you know, like obscure alien stuff. So I thought, well, you know, if he's got his his soul inside this device, so he's had to sacrifice part of himself and put it in this, and, you know, it starts to become more interesting and you start to question that. And then when he uses it, 
is the possibility of his soul dying and all of that kind of thing. So it becomes mm. more, you know, existential. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense, man. That makes it. And like, where do you draw your inspiration from? Like to, you know, create these stories? I have to say for me, like I watch a lot of TV and I watch a lot of movies, but for me, I think there's not a specific thing that I would draw from. I very much believe as an artist, whatever you're exposed to has some effect on your subconscious and you pull inspiration from there. But I think from a more conscious perspective, not that I've pulled anything specifically from any bit of art, but I would definitely say like a Japanese anime for me, I watch a lot of anime and I'm also interested in being like the Western stories seem to follow a very specific pattern that you can find. And I found at least the Japanese side of things, whether it's different to me because it's from a different culture, but it's a pattern that I'm not as used to and it really excites me more. So I, I prefer to draw inspiration from something far from me rather than going, well, I'm going to draw inspiration from, let's say, Blade Runner, which mm. is a great film. I'd prefer to draw inspiration from somewhere else and go, actually, this is this is far away from what people or what I'm usually used to. And yeah, I think most of it would probably come from like, yeah, Japanese anime is like a heavy like inspiration for me. Okay. Well, see, I've, I've got to ask now, what, what anime would you recommend? Because I, I struggle with it, right? There's some stuff that I've really, that man, as a kid, there was this one about four guys and they would turn into dragons it was something like the 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 four dragon kings or something like that and that was awesome but some of the other stuff i just can't can't always get into like so give me some good recommendations for uh, anime well i'd say like are you the specific genre you like really like into fantasy or sci-fi or like thriller stuff like what i ain't just good stories man if it's a good story i'm gonna check it out so if it's about story i would say definitely like a a really solid one is death note and i I don't watch the movies very different like because there there was a western movie made yeah netflix dropped it a few years back yeah i saw the netflix movie which not the best i do i believe they're doing a tv series yeah so that that would make more sense to me like i i would definitely say the watch the anime though because it's a, a really complicated story and you can't you can't really capture it in a movie you don't have mm. enough time to see it all so death notes really amazing okay one of my favorite is um, berserk i really love it it's a, a little bit like kind of game of thronesy but like i think the relationships in it are really exciting in there and then if like you were saying there was one that you watched where they were like dragons and you know these guys trans- they're really good another good one is uh bleach bleach is really good like it okay. starts a slow one it probably takes about quite a few episodes to get into it but it's quite quite a lot of fantasy and people with um uh like swords and all of this stuff but it's it's very like with all of these things i think all of them start to feel quite childish at the beginning and mm. there's quite a lot of exposition because they explain story but then 
when you get into it, it very quickly becomes very adult-like where the relationships are more complex. There's a lot, not that I'm leaning on the violent, but the, the battles are important and the relationships are really key in all of them. I really think like the way some of the animes catch the relationships where you're like, somebody dies and I'm like, I'm almost in tears. Maybe I'm just a big nerd, but like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's good. There's, I have to say, it, it is that childish element that does put me off a lot of yeah. the times when, you know what I mean, they're doing this thing and then they start being like, oh, you got a big nose. Oh. Yeah. It's like, yo, just give me the story, man. Let's cut this shit out. Yeah, exactly. Well, those ones... They don't have any of those elements in it. There's a really good one, which is called Metal Gear Solid, and that's done really well. But I was very turned off by it because every, like, 10 minutes, they change the way it's drawn and it becomes very childish and they get, like, big red cheeks and they're like, oh, why are you talking to me like that? And you're like, uh... what? It really pulls focus. But those ones I recommended, they don't um, they do not do that at all. So, yeah, they, they, they're like... Yeah, there's none of that. Like okay, so Death yeah. Note, Bleach, and what was the other one? Berserk. Berserk's Berserk. a Berserk's a really really good one. It it takes a bit of time. Like it feels a little bit like um the old Conan uh, films. Oh, okay. Barbarian starts like that. I mean, it's it's essentially one guy with a really massive sword who goes around and he's unstoppable. But he has very detailed relationships and. And you know, and not giving away stuff, but there's a whole like demon realm that starts coming into earth and all of that. So, mm-hmm. but it, it's it's good. It takes a bit of time to get into, and it go with the longer series because there've been remakes of it and like shorter films and that. But like, there's a longer series. I think it was from like the 80s or 90s, and they're like 27 episodes. And if you get into that, then read the manga because that's really good. Yeah, I really enjoy that stuff. So. Okay, well, you sold me, man. You sold me. Who's <laughs> how? Thank you, Steve. You know? No problem. <laughs> All right, so um, yeah, you're doing the festivals, right? You're you're close to distribution. Um, we are. We're getting close. We've, we're in the busy chatting to a producers rep at the moment that that wants to come on board, and we're just busy looking at contracts and hopefully I don't really want to mention their name yet just because we haven't signed yeah, with them. Yeah. But uh, if we do, they're very well connected and they think that they, they've got a lot of distributors who are really keen to pick it up. We've been chatting to some distributors. I mean, to be honest, our plan wasn't really to approach distributors or sales agents at this point, but because of Boston, um, this producer's rep and some distributors came straight to us and they've gone, oh, look, you know, we've, we've had an offer put down already, but we, we kind of want to see what happens with all of them. But, yeah, and, yeah, really exciting time. So, fingers crossed, it'll come together smoothly, you know, and we'll, we'll get some good offers on the table and then get uh, good distribution. For us, really, the key is to get, rather than trying to make as much money, it's trying to get as much exposure as possible. Mm. Because I think the other thing with the film is like, I really, I think the the market is, if you're really into sci-fi, I think you'd love it. And if, you re, if you're a filmmaker and you're into making films, um, 
you'll you'll also love it because you'll see it's really ambitious and like i really believe we've we've you know our team's made a really good job of something that doesn't look like a no budget film it looks like a lot more than that so i think that's the audience it's sitting towards and then i think from a long-term point of view is it's the kind of sci-fi i'm hoping that it will kind of build more hype and you know the longer it's been out there where if you're into sci-fi you'll be like oh you go and watch this because this this there's a good story in there and they're discussing ideas that haven't been discussed before um so yeah that's that's the hope so exposure for me is the most important thing because from a long-term point of thing of our you know our career and stuff like that it'll make more sense but also you know like if i wanted to make money i would have gone into a different industry it's more about telling telling the story so yeah mm. yeah okay and what have you got many festivals lined up so you know i mean where can people possibly see you before um you know it hits the the wider world well miami is the next one so miami is if i'm right it's on the 20th of uh march um yeah it's that so that's on the 20th um so they can see it there and then festival wise we've got a few we're waiting to hear back from like more festivals and hopefully um there will be one or two in the uk yet like i mean i would say if people want to see the film and follow us like we've got our facebook page go on facebook or you can go to our capital films page and you can see it on there too or twitter and we we're regularly updating people with what's going on with it so as soon as there's a way for anybody to see it they'll hear about it so we're busy pushing miami at the moment but if we're getting to more festivals we'll we'll push those and let people know where to see it um otherwise i'll have to wait for when we get distribution to see it so okay man well that that's great you know what i mean so people 20th of march miami make sure you do it you've got enough reason to go not just the sun right it's beyond existence yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey Stephen, thank you very much for your time man i know no, you've got you. a, a busy day so i'm gonna let you go but i appreciate you stopping by and i'm um, giving us a you know just in that insight i think a lot of first-time directors uh, writers you know i think they're gonna you know find some interesting kernels in what you said man so thank you i appreciate it Oh, thank you. Thanks. Thanks for the time. It's been really great speaking to you. So, yeah, it's been, been a really nice one. Hey, no worries at all, man. All the success. Hope Miami goes well. And um, yeah, good luck with that distribution deal, my friend. Cheers, Kevin. Appreciate it, man. All right. You take it easy and come yeah. back next time with we'll your next project. All right. Will do. Nice one, Kevin. Thanks. Okay. Thanks, Stephen. <laughs> There you go, people. How great was that, right? Mad interesting, you know. So um, yeah, listen, go go follow Stephen, right? And the film, so you can see, you know, if it's playing in a spot near you. If you want to go Miami, you know what I mean? Hey, you've still got some time, right? But yeah, go check it out. I just said, look. It, uh, the film kind of touches on these themes and it's interesting in that regard, all right? Definitely shows promise. So let's see what these cats do next. But yeah, people, there we go. If you missed part one, go check that out, people. 
and I think we might be dropping a little something special early next week. But who knows? <laughs> hey, enjoy the film watching, people. And until next time, peace.